welcome to Thriving as a Physician, the podcast that teaches you to thrive in your weight loss and life while juggling a packed physician schedule, because you deserve to thrive. Each week, I share sustainable, enjoyable tools that work in your busy life so that you can reach all of your goals faster with more confidence. Everything in this podcast is backed by my experience as an obesity medicine physician, years of coaching physicians on weight loss and eating, and my own personal weight loss journey. Let's get thriving. This podcast contains general educational information on weight loss for physicians. I am not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing. Welcome to episode 212 of the Thriving as a Physician podcast, How to Lose Weight and Love Your Life. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Thank you so much for joining me. We have a really fun episode today. I had Dr. Latifat Akintade on, host of Money Fit MD podcast, and I had so much fun talking to her about common practical tools you can use to understand money more. As physicians, often money is something we struggle with. This can lead to overeating. So if you're stressed about money, often it leads to overeating. If you are feeling like you don't have enough money coming in, often that leads to overworking, which then leads to overeating. So how you approach money and finances in your life influences your eating and weight, which is why I think it's so important that we talk about all of this because it all influences your eating and your weight. And so I'm so excited to have her on the show. And so join me in welcoming Dr. Akintade to the show. Latifat, thank you so much for joining me. I'm excited to welcome you onto the show. Can you introduce yourself to everybody? Absolutely. Thank you so very much for inviting me and hanging out with me here. We just finished recording for my own podcast. So I'm really excited for us to chat on yours as well. And for those that I haven't met, I'm Dr. Latifat. I'm a GI doc. I'm based in the U.S. in California. And I'm a mama of three girls. And I also am a money coach and have a program, which is the Money School for Badass Women Physicians. And I also have a podcast called the Money Fit MD podcast, where I talk all things money and mindset, simply because I want women physicians to have all the money and peace of mind that they want. I think that's so important. And as you and I've been talking about, we'll talk about in this episode, it connects with eating and weight so much, but more importantly, it really speaks to thriving and living your best life, which is what we're going to talk about. But I'm curious, how did you get into money coaching from gastroenterology? Yes, this is not what I had in mind when I started my medical journey. My goal in life was to be a physician, be a great physician. You know, those expert clinicians that can smell a diagnosis from like, five miles away. That was literally my dream. I was that like nerdy about internal medicine and being a clinician. That's all I wanted. And, you know, I went through med school. I went to med school in UCSF and I went to residency in Mount Sinai, New York and came back to California for my fellowship. And what traveled along with me was my debt. So I knew nothing about money. I had student debt that I actually wasn't even looking at. I didn't know how much I owed. I didn't know who I owed. The only thing I ever did with my student debt was whatever could get it out of my face, literally. So it's like forbear, defer, I don't care. I'll just sign any paper just so I wouldn't have to worry about it. 
And the reason why wasn't because I wanted to get in money trouble. It really was I didn't know anything about it. Nobody was teaching me. I thought I had missed a class in med school where money was talked about, except class never happened. So here I am as a fellow about to start attendingship. At that point, I had two children and I just had this aha moment where I was like looking around at my attendants, this really smart, incredible humans that were kind of like walking around with their shoulders slumped. And I just felt like, okay, if I want to do GI with a focus in inflammatory bowel diseases, I knew I was going to be working for someone if I wanted to focus on IBD. And I knew that if I didn't get my money stuff figured out, I was going to be a burnt out, overworked, disempowered mom. That was like the last thing that I wanted. So for me, that was like the main reason why I said, okay, I know I'm afraid of this stuff. I know I know nothing. And in fact, I hide and feel shame about what I do not know. But my fear of the consequence or the side effect, a long-term effect of not changing how I was treating my money or how I was not treating my money was enough to make me face my fear. So that was how I got started learning about money for myself. And what I figured out over the span of years was, again, I had no interest in business or money or teaching or coaching or running a money school, none of that. But what I realized over time was that I wasn't the only person with that problem. There were many people just like me that were incredibly smart, busy physicians, whether they're parents or not parents. They wanted to do their money. They wanted to take care of their money. They did not want to be an expert. They don't want to get an MBA in whatever, whatever. But they just wanted to know that they could be the CEO of their finances so they could practice medicine on their terms. So I honestly felt like I had no choice but to start the program and talking about money and teaching women because I truly believed that I had the tools that really made it easier and accessible to my women physicians. Yeah, it's such an important topic because like you said, we do not get taught it in our medical training. Like I run my own practice or I'm a partner in my practice and we don't get taught any of that stuff. How to like run a business when you're done, if that's what you do. And we also get taught this thought that physicians are bad at money. Like I remember being told that and I remember being talked to by preceptors and stuff who had been through multiple bankruptcies. Where do you think the thought and this kind of identity of physicians being bad at money comes from? I honestly think it's a result of the past, right? If we look at medicine, where we are today is not where we were years ago for good and sometimes for bad as well. And I think as physicians, there were times when we thought that we had to mind our own business. And we took that in a way that was so narrow focused that we stopped minding our business. And what that meant was that we were ignoring our money because we bought into the idea that money was not something that we'd learn. It's not something that we know. Like focus on being a physician and everybody else would take care of everything else. But yes, I don't want us to get distracted with other stuff. However, we forgot what our real business was. So that has now been passed on from generations to generation, to be honest with you. And then now there's an entire field in the financial industry where they're like, you know, these people are busy, but let's tell them that they're busier than they are, right? Because they already believe they're busy. So now we're going to help them believe that they're too busy to actually buy their business of money because now we can take that money and do all the things for them. They don't really have the time. We're going to really cement the idea that you don't have time. And we're going to cement that so hard in you that you're going to start to believe it. And that just makes it easier for us to take the money and help you go invest it and do all this other stuff and benefit significantly because the less you pay attention to your money, the better for us. And trust me, you're so incredibly busy, right? You don't have time for this, right? So it's like they take the thought that we already have 
and drill it in deeper and deeper into us. The other thing is, so that's about the financial industry. And I'm not trying to paint them as being bad. They're good financial advisors that exist. But as an industry, they've benefited from physicians not minding our business. But also, if you think about the healthcare industry and system, it pains me to think about this. And I don't want to make it seem like, oh, everybody is against us because that's not the truth necessarily. However, when physicians are empowered, we speak up. We speak up. We advocate for ourselves. We advocate for our patients. And that is a great thing if you have a healthy relationship. However, if we have a system where there's so many middle men and women in medicine and healthcare all across the world, people don't actually want that. So empowered physicians are better for patients. However, there are many people that benefit from the separation of those two relationships. So it's a lot of things. But the bottom line is when we start to recognize what our real business is, it's a great thing because that's the only way we're going to change healthcare for the best. So what is our real business? Our business is everything that we need to be well. And that is the business of being excellent at our skills as physicians. And that is also about the benefit and the business of learning the things that we need to know to be well financially and being empowered and educated enough so that we know that we don't have to do it all by ourselves. But as a CEO of our lives, then we know how to find people that are actually going to be able to work for us. Where we're still the CEO, we're not employees in our own lives. We are the CEOs of our lives and that includes our finances. And that doesn't mean that we have to be expert at everything, but that means that we have to know the foundation enough to be able to have conversations and screen for good and for bad. Those are the people that are trying to come into our space because yes, as physicians, we don't have targets on our back and that's just the bottom line. Love it. I love that concept of using empowerment around money just as part of being empowered as a physician. So let's talk, we're going to talk about thriving with money as a physician. When you hear that, when you think about it, like what comes up for you? So in order to thrive as physicians, I think about myself because what I love about this work is that I am the person I'm trying to help. My people that I'm trying to help are me from like five or six years ago when I knew nothing about money. So when I think about where I was at that time and where I am now, what has helped me thrive when it comes to finances, it is not by being an expert. I'm just going to put that out there. It is not by knowing exactly what's happening on the stock market every single day. It is not about bragging about lingos that are completely useless and nobody gives a crap about. It is really about focusing on the important things. And what is important? Number one is a lot of us as physicians will spend time and energy earning our income. As physicians, we're exchanging time for money. So when we get that money, we've spending so much of our life's energy, regardless of whether you're part-time or full-time, The question is, what happens to that money when it hits our life? When that money comes in, what is happening to it? So thriving as physicians is knowing where our money is going. Is our money actually going into things that helps us thrive as physicians? Or is it going into things that we think we should be doing? Or is it going into wherever the heck money just wants to go in our life? And the analogy that I like using is, if I'm at home right now and I have a camera in front of my house at the door, someone comes in through the camera and I can see them. They come in through the door. And now there's no camera in that area. The question is, where did they go? And it's literally the same thing when it happens to our money, right? They come into our house. I'm like, do they go into the dining room, into the living room, into the kitchen, into the bathroom? Where are they? If they're in the bathroom or if they're going into my master bedroom, like, what the heck are you doing there? That's not where I want you to be. I want you to be in the kitchen. I want you to be in the living room. I want you to go into the dining room. And we don't judge all of that. We don't judge ourselves when we're shuffling people that are coming into our houses 
but just like, oh no, it's not meant to be there. We're going to put it here. No, don't put that over there. Put it here. That's literally what we do when it comes to our house. And so when it comes to our money, it literally should be about the same thing, which is when money comes in, am I trusting this money to figure out itself? Because we know that nothing in this world goes uphill by itself. Things go downhill by themselves, right? I've never seen anybody, and I've been around for a couple of years now, I've never seen a bike go up the hill by itself. Like it goes downhill. And the same happens with money. If we don't take our position as a CEO and tell her what to do. So literally, I tell women physicians, I want you to imagine that your money is like there begging for you to be the boss, begging for you to take the place as a CEO and say, I'm here. I literally am waiting for you to take your place as the boss to tell me what to do. And what does that mean? That doesn't mean don't spend on stuff. Money money wants to be spent on things too. And I want you to enjoy how you spend your money. But asking yourself simple questions like, do I know exactly what I'm spending my money on? Do I know I'm spending this amount on what I spend it on? And people are going to be surprised by how much they're spending on stuff they didn't even know they were spending on. I tell people there are literally companies that are sitting down praying and going, God, please do not let her look at her expenses. Please do not let her look because how am I going to pay for my private yacht? If she's like, I'm not getting value from spending on that and she stops spending that way. But the thing is, we're not going to stand here and demonize or say that it's good or bad. It's just, is it serving you? Is it serving you in your highest self? Is this what you want it to do? And if not, then just course correct and say, no, not in the bathroom, come into the living room. I don't want to spend on things that's only going to like interest that's not putting money into my pocket long term, which we call liabilities. I want to spend more on assets. So instead of me spending all of my money on just like catching up, how about I take a certain percentage, like maybe 2% to start if I was doing nothing or maybe 10% if I was doing 5% and just say, how can I spend this in a way that actually builds over time as opposed to like something that depreciates in value over time? So it's simple things, but it's important for us to start from a space where we're not judging ourselves because when we're judging ourselves with things like I'm good with money, I'm bad with money, I made mistakes before, it makes us less likely to actually make the simple decisions that we need to make when it comes to money. And I like that concept of anything you do with your money is a version of spending the money. And so the saving and investing is a version that's you're spending money where it will grow versus shopping and all that sort of stuff. It's spending where it's not going to grow. You're not going to get it back. But there's still times that has value too. Oh, for sure. You and I were talking about this a little bit earlier, but the whole concept of when we feel uncomfortable in our lives and when we feel run down, tired, burnt out, we look to things that make us feel better. And so most of the people listening to this podcast look to food to feel better. But spending is a really common thing. And you and I talked about sometimes when you manage your food, the money acts up. Sometimes when you manage the money, the food acts up and it can go back and forth. How do you approach that when people are doing that spending to try to just feel better after hard weeks, hard days of working as a physician? Absolutely. You talk a lot about emotions and the emotional part of stuff as well. And that is important, learning how to manage our emotions and learn that it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel happy. It's okay to feel joy. We don't always have to do something about those feelings. So when you're having a hard day, it's okay to just understand that you had a hard day and it's okay to sit down in that hardness, right? For a little bit, you don't have to try and fix it. So that's the number one thing I'm going to say. But also number two is this is why I like the idea of like automating our finances. 
because we are humans, right? And yes, we can work on our thoughts all day long, but there are some times when you just have to like, the same way we'd put a gate so that our kids don't go rolling down the hill. We can do that when it comes to our finances as well. And part of that is you can decide before the emotions start what percentage of your income you want to spend on fun stuff. So you know that every month you have at your disposal, I don't know, a thousand dollars to splurge on. So during those times, maybe that thousand dollars a month, you already made the decision ahead of time. And that is what you get to spend and you can still do that. So it's okay to do that. As long as you've made those decisions ahead of time, you're less likely to have negative consequences of feeling sad after you've done spending the money. So that's number one tip that I would suggest. The other thing is when it comes to automation, I call it paying yourself first. Paying yourself in terms of like your investments first. So if you know that you're someone that loves to spend and there's nothing wrong with spending again, but you know that, okay, in my higher self, the CEO part of me knows that I got to pay my 70-year-old self in advance because she's going to walk me with a walker if she gets to age 70 and there's no money waiting for her. So I don't want to piss her up. I can piss myself off today. I don't want a piece of my 70 or 80-year-old self. So what that means is I want to make sure I put money in things that's going to grow to provide for her in future so she doesn't get mad at me. And you can automate that so that even before you start spending money, you already paid the most respectful person, which is her in the future. And now what you have left can be stuff that you spend. So it's not a budgeting way per se. It's a kind of way to budget is how I call it. So that way, you know that even if you were to spend on those days, there isn't as much negative consequences because you've already taken care of things that need to be taken care of. So those are some more action-based stuff that I think can be very, very helpful for people. And life happens. You are going to make mistakes. You're going to do things you don't like. You're going to spend in ways you don't like. The key is how can we do differently next time? But the more you learn how to forgive yourself and do money imperfectly, the more money you're actually going to have. I love that so much because I teach that with weight loss. Making mistakes and overeating is part of losing weight long-term. And when we think it's not, when we think that we have to be perfect to be successful, then we don't know how to recover from those mistakes and we stay kind of in that downward spiral way longer versus what you're saying. Like if you just know that, yeah, I'm going to make mistakes and I can learn from them when they happen, course correct and get back to what was working faster. Love it. Absolutely. How do you suggest physicians keep track of their spending? Like you said, a lot of physicians have no idea what they're spending, but we also don't have the time to sit and like make spreadsheets and such. What are your favorite ways of keeping an eye on what's going out? So I do hate spreadsheets. So even if you had time, I don't like spreadsheets personally. However, I have people that do. And the key is it doesn't really matter what system you use. The key is to find a system that works. That's what I always tell people. I don't like math. I do easy math or whatever. I don't like budgeting apps per se. I do use Mint because Mint is simple. The key is this. I want us to be very careful because our brains are incredibly smart. And if you're someone that is avoided looking at your money, it's not because you're a bad person. It's because your brain likes comfort and your brain doesn't always like to do new things that are different from what it's been done before. And if you have drama from the past about money with how you were raised, you may have stories about money that actually makes it harder for you to want to face your money. And the reason why I tell people to be very careful about what apps and stuff they use is because our brains are so smart, your brain can start giving you problems to solve that are actually not the real problems to be solved. So your brain is like, how about this? Let's not do the money stuff. And you're like, okay, Dr. Latifat screamed at me on that podcast that I was on and now I want to do it. But then who? Brain is like, okay, sure. She's gone out now. 
how about we try this? Why don't you wait until you find the perfect budgeting app before you do it? And you're like, that's a great idea. So I need to find the perfect budgeting app so I can start my money. And guess what you're not doing? You're not doing money. Your brain just hacked you and like kept you comfortable by giving you like a ridiculous problem to solve. So the reason why I say that is I have people in my program that were trying to find the best apps for years before they joined the program. And some of them ended up ditching the programs that they've been trying to prefer because it's like, it doesn't even matter what system I use. The key is asking simple questions. Where is my money going? Do I know where it's going? Do I know how much I'm spending there? Am I okay with the amount that I'm spending or do I want to decrease the amount that I'm spending? Are there things that I'm spending on that's not adding value to my life, right? And whatever system you want to use, that's great. It may be Excel. For you, it may be nothing except looking at your statements and printing it out and drawing circles and making phone calls and crossing things out and all those sort of things. Like it can literally be as simple as that. And for some people, it is things like Mint, like I mentioned earlier. Mint is free. I do like it. It is really simple. You can get it and learn it really, really easily. It literally just asks you to upload access to your information from your banks and all that, which for some people can be scary. But what I remind people is that Mint is operated by TurboTax, which does a lot of like the automated DIY taxes in the US. I don't know about Canada, but if TurboTax gets in trouble, we all got problems anyway. So Mint is like a small percentage of TurboTax. So yes, I want you to have a good system for monitoring your credit and all that stuff. But just know that in this day and age, as long as you exist in the world, your information is not as secure as you want it to be. So instead of avoiding technology completely, having systems to protect you is actually what is key. But Mint is great. You can be up and running within a week. YNAB is what I would call closest to like the perfect system. However, there's a huge learning curve. I had wine up for about a month or two. I gave up. That was like years and years ago. My system works now, so I don't need to have a perfect system. So again, the key is not to find the perfect system. The key is to decide on a system. And then I don't even like to use the word perfect because it's never going to be perfect, but use it well enough that it fits the purpose that you want. And for most of us, we just want to make sure that we have money at the end of the month that we invest in, that our net worth grows. And as long as you're achieving those purposes, Don't let your brain make you stall by telling you that you need a perfect system because it doesn't exist. I think that's so important. Last question. If somebody's listening to this and they feel just petrified to even look at it, maybe they have like big student loans or history with money, so many different reasons. So the idea of starting to examine their money and getting active with it fills them with fear and avoidance. What would you suggest they do? What I would recommend is I want you to just observe yourself. And be kind to yourself and acknowledge that, yes, you may have things in your past that makes it hard. However, it doesn't mean you have to just jump in and like shock your nervous system and make yourself go into panic attack. Just a little at a time. And sometimes that little at a time could be as simple as just listening to a podcast. And like I mentioned earlier, I have the Money Fit Empty podcast. I get messages all day from people that are like, this has been helping. This has been helpful. And sometimes just listening and letting the information wash over you helps you change and remodel your brain and your mindset in a kind and loving way. And of course, literally, that's what I do in my money school. I help physicians from wherever they want. And for you, it may be like, I've never, ever looked before and will help you do that in a way that is kind. And for you, it may be, okay, I've looked, I've tried my best, but it seems like I'm plateauing and I really want to learn the mindset and the strategy. The key is there's a community out there for you. You don't have to do it alone. But if you want to get started and you're like, I want to start by myself, 
One easy way is just let it wash over you and remember the truth. The truth is that you're a freaking physician. You are a badass physician. A lot of times, the biggest challenges we have with money isn't actually about money itself. It's like the mindset and the judgment and the brain drama that we have about it. And so when you start to sort of like neutralize those kindly, you realize that all you're left with is like simple money. So I tell people, actually, I'm doing a presentation. I'm doing a talk today virtually for a hospital in Texas. So I have the slide on there where I talk about the fact that, okay, I know you may think you're bad with money, but I want you to answer some of those questions. And one of it is, do you know algebra? If the answer is yes, then you can do money. Number two is, have you ever presented to an attendant before as an intern? If the answer is yes, then you can do money because this is actually easier than that. Have you ever taken a bicam class at any point in your entire <laughs> life? If the answer is yes, then you can do money. Have you ever had to sit down with patients in clinic and maybe spend like 80% of the time telling them that Google and changing their mindset about the fact that Google is a better doctor than you. And then you spend 20% of the time actually talking about their blood pressure and the right strategy for them. If the answer is yes, and you can change your mind because what you've done there is help your patients change their mindset about money. And the other question is, have you sat down and maybe watched like an entire season of Bridgerton at some point in your life? If the answer is yes, the amount of time you actually spent watching a season of Bridgerton is more time than you need to manage your money in an entire year. That's awesome. I think we've all watched the seasons of Bridgerton. (laughs) All right. So we're good then. So you can do money. The rest of it is just brain drama. And so those are things that literally, if those apply to you, then you can do money. And the rest is just getting the help you need, getting the community you need, getting the support that you need in order to be able to achieve what you want. Absolutely. And so where do people find you? If they're interested in your money school, where do they go? So you can go on my website. It's moneyfitmd.com. And at the very top, you see a tab that says, work with me. You can learn about what we do. You can also learn about the money school. And there's a button on there where you can schedule a call with one of our team members. Or you can send me a message directly on Facebook or Instagram. And the reason why I have it set up that way, because people are like, but why? Why do you have it? Because what I found is that as women physicians, we are special. Our communities are special. And for me, six years ago, I was in spaces where there was so much shaming about money, where there was so much unkindness about money. That is so important for me to have a community that is safe for us to talk about our baggage, for us to talk about our biggest fears, our biggest challenges without judgment. So I don't want people jumping in from the street. So we do have guardrails in place. And that is when you got to get through me to get to my women or you have to get through one of my team members to get to our women. So we intentionally set it up that way. But schedule a call with us. We're not trying to convince you to be a part. What we want to know is what your goals are. We tell you what we can do and we can see if that aligns together. But my thought is no woman physician should be practicing medicine because they don't have a choice. No woman physician should be overworking or burning out. No woman physician should be buying into this culture of unwellness because they think they have no choice. If that's you, there is hope. I promise you, you don't have to do it alone. I love everything that you said. It relates so much to the eating and weight, like the shame, all of that stuff. And the importance of community, the fact it's hard to talk about it, and yet... Once you do, and once you know you're not alone and you hear other women physicians going through the same thing, there is so much power. That's why I do my coaching in a group too, because there's healing that happens by being in that community and in that group. It's like an abscess. Sometimes you just got to open it up, right? And there's so much shame. The worst thing, what shame hits the most, the biggest antidote to shame is speaking, opening it up. That's something that is hard to do. One-on-one can be helpful. And I used to do that, but that's why I went from one-on-one to this money community because I truly believe there's healing 
that happens when we speak out. It empowers other people and we get to learn from the collective. So even when you're a lurker in a group, you're not really a lurker because you're just learning at your own pace. That feels safe. And when it's time for you to come out, then we'll let you know that, yes, we're here. We've been waiting for you. It's awesome. Thank you so much for spending the morning with me. I loved it. Thank you. I love spending here too. So thank you for inviting me. Thank you for what you do. I think it's so important for us to be well. And a lot of times we talk about health is wealth, but I also tell people that wealth is also health. They both go hand in hand together. So I can't think of a better conversation or better partnership and collaboration in terms of the podcast than both of us together today. So thank you. All right. So many good tips in that episode. I had a ton of fun recording that and chatting with Latifat. I hope that it was really helpful for you. Send any questions or comments that you have to info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. Make sure you check Dr. Akintade out at her podcast, MoneyFitMD. And don't forget to check out the Black Friday bonuses that are currently on for Thrive Academy for Physicians. There's one week left from the time that this is being released. And then enrollment to Thrive Academy is shutting down until the new year. So this is your last chance 2020 to come join me. Start getting help now, moving towards your goals, changing your life, learning how to thrive in your life because you deserve to thrive while also thriving in your weight loss goals. Head over to thrivephysicians.ca to learn more. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.